welcome to This Week in Video Games, episode 55. My name's Tom Kershaw, and this is a podcast all about the world of video games. So this week, I've been speculating and predicting what we're going to get in the upcoming Xbox Series X game showcase this week, and I've been playing Whispers of a Machine, an excellent point-and-click adventure game. I was also really lucky to sit down with the lead voiceover artist in the game, Ivy Dupler, and we got stuck into the process for VO in video games. It's a great conversation, so look forward to that later on in the episode. It's a jam-packed show, so let's get to it. Welcome to the show, everyone. I hope you're well and you're having a good week. I'm good this week, although I seem to have injured myself somehow, which is restricting my playtime quite a lot. I don't know if it's a combination of lockdown or what, but I've damaged one of my hands, so I'm restricted in my game time. But that's okay though, because this week I'll be looking into what we got coming up for the Xbox after their rather lacklustre showcase of third party games earlier this summer. This coming Thursday we got the Xbox first party showcase, so I'll get into my predictions of that in a little bit. Ubisoft came out last weekend and showed off some of their upcoming titles including Assassin's Creed Valhalla and if you want to go in a bit more depth of that go and have a look at the This Week in Video Games YouTube channel as I've got a look at the trailers and some of the gameplay in much more detail. Watch Dogs Legion was also showed off and many who've had hands-on experience with the game seem to be really enjoying it so that's another one to look forward to come October. Far Cry 6 was also announced after a few leaks, and this had one of the best cinematic trailers for a video game that I can remember, so there's lots to look forward to coming from Ubisoft. Also, there's a bunch of sales going on at the moment for Ubisoft games on various game stores like Steam, Epic and Uplay, where there's up to 75% off on their games. So I picked up Rainbow Six Siege for about £8, and it's something I've been meaning to get into for a while, and I'm definitely excited to jump in. I did also pick up Ghost of Tsushima, but I haven't had a chance to play it yet due to my injured hand, so I'll leave that for a few weeks before jumping in. The game it looks absolutely stunning and the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive, so look forward to that in a few weeks time. Well that's enough for my waffling intro, so let's get into what I've been playing this week. So this past week I put a call out on Twitter for the best point and click adventure games that I should check out in 2020 and thank you to everyone who got in touch with me with their suggestions. Whispers of a Machine kept coming up so I thought I'd check that one out and I wasn't disappointed. Now I'll get into my review of that later on in the show. I also had a chat with Ivy Dupler who plays the leading role Vera in the game so that interview is later on in the show too. And I've spoken to developers, presenters, YouTubers, business owners in the games industry so this was a great opportunity to talk to a voice actor and find out what it takes to be a star in a video game. It's a great chat and Ivy's also got a few tips that if you're interested in getting into that line of work check out that interview later on in the show. Well, first up this week, let's have a look at my predictions for the upcoming Xbox Showcase coming this Thursday. This coming week, Xbox plans to finally unveil their first-party game showcase for their new console and Xbox Game Pass. So Microsoft showed off their third-party showcase earlier in the summer and the reveal left some of the audience feeling rather flat. Xbox plans to switch things up this time by showcasing their first party titles with the aim of blowing away the audience. Microsoft wants to go into this generation on the levelest playing field as possible. Sony won the most recent console generation by an absolute mile. There's estimates of console sales out there with Xbox One sitting around 50 million units and PlayStation 4 at approximately 110 million units. 
There were definitely some mistakes at the start of the generation with the focus on the all-in-one system rather than the focus on games, which Sony picked up on and definitely ran with. However, Microsoft has been making moves. Xbox Game Pass is a huge hit with over 10 million subscribers and Project xCloud is looking to bury Google Stadia with its huge library of games and available anywhere technology. Microsoft is now ready to showcase their first party games after a lacklustre third party showing earlier in the summer and that was shortly followed up with a great showing from Sony. This Thursday, Microsoft plan to unveil their hand, but what are they going to show? So let's dive into some predictions. First up, we've got Halo Infinite, and this one is coming from 343 Studios. So we know we're going to be getting campaign gameplay from the showcase this time, as we've had a few trailers, but so far we don't really know what this game is. Will 343 Studios lean into multiplayer, or will there be a big PvE element in the game, and what is the significance of the infinite in the title? So I'm really looking forward to finding out what exactly this game is going to be. It's definitely going to be interesting to see the meaning of the name Infinite. Bungie clearly went into the open world MMO model with Destiny, and I wonder if 343 are also going to go down this route. Down this path though runs a huge amount of risk with the ability to actually pull off this type of game. Anthem failed hard, and we don't hear too much about The Division these days, and Destiny, albeit one of the most successful action MMOs, continues to struggle to create enough content to engage their fans. I would imagine it's going to be more open world compared to Halo 5, but it remains to be seen just how open it's going to be. There are rumours that the focus is going to be back on the Master Chief, and Halo shifts consoles too, so the fact that Microsoft is launching Xbox Series X with a Halo game takes us back to the original Xbox release. Halo sells consoles, no questions asked. I would absolutely love to see a Battle Royale from Halo, perhaps huge classic maps potentially knitted together where hundreds of Spartans all jump in and fight it out until there's only one remaining. Also, it would be great to see a classic library of maps from Halo 2 and Halo 3 worked into that package, although we do have the Master Chief Collection available on PC, and I believe that Halo 3 came out earlier this week, so if you've got Xbox Game Pass, you can check that one out for free. But Battle Royale has got to be the thing for Halo. I did hear rumours that it wasn't going to be planned for launch, but Battle Royales now are almost standard for shooters, it would be so exciting to see 100 Spartans facing off against one another. Well next up we got Psychonauts 2 and this one's from Double Fine. So this is a game that's been in development for some time with Double Fine and as one of the most recent additions to the Xbox Studios family. It'd be great to see a new release from Double Fine. So this is a third person platform game where you control characters with psi powers like telekinesis and levitation and explore the mental worlds of non-playable characters. Hopefully we'll see something from Double Fine and if it's not Psychonauts 2 then maybe they'll pick up another Xbox franchise. So next up we've got Minecraft and this one comes from Mojang. So the Mojang franchise has been wildly successful for Microsoft and it will surely hold a place on the Xbox Series X. We already know that Minecraft will be available on the Series X and it's going to be using some of the new features like the super fast SSD, ray tracing and the more reliable performance and upgraded visuals. It's not likely to be Minecraft 2, however I do expect to see some new features added by Mojang that will leverage the power of the Xbox Series X. So Windows Central reported on Minecraft for the Xbox Series X recently and said, 
Minecraft should also benefit from quick resume, which means you can have multiple games and applications suspended in the background, and nearly instantaneously resume them at a moment's notice, without sacrificing performance. All of this should be present in Minecraft Day 1 just due to running on a superior hardware for the Xbox Series X, but Mojang Studios can carefully optimise the game to take advantage of the Xbox Series X making those benefits even more prevalent later down the line. The most obvious feature Minecraft can take away from the Series X, however, is ray tracing. This revolutionary technology allows games to track the path of light beams in real time, leading to much more realistic reflections, shadows, environments and more. And Mojang Studios has been working on ray tracing for quite some time. So I'd imagine we're definitely going to see something from Minecraft, but exactly what we're going to see and what flavour of Minecraft, we'll just have to wait and see until Thursday. Next up is this new RPG from Obsidian, and we could be about to see a new AAA RPG from Obsidian, creators of The Outworlds and Fallout New Vegas. Earlier this year, Obsidian was seen to be hiring for their new RPG project with 30 plus jobs on their website, ranging from animation, audio, design and programming. Obsidian has a history of making world-class RPGs, and no doubt they're going to have something in store for the Xbox Series X. Next up is Forza Motorsport 8, and the Forza Motorsport franchise has been a little bit quiet since 2017, and now could be the time to bring this back with Forza Motorsport 8. There are rumours that the game has been in development since 2018, and has been a staple of the Xbox console series from the Xbox 360 and the Xbox One. It's expected to run at 4K and 120fps, and could be released in February 2021. Well next up we've got Project Mara and this one's from Ninja Theory. So this is a new experimental horror game. The contents of the game is being kept under wraps for the moment but it's got a focus on recreating the terror of mental health issues from in-depth real life research. So revealed by Don Matthews in January 2020, Ninja Theory said Project Mara will be a real world and grounded representation of mental terror. Based on real lived experience accounts and in-depth research, our aim is to recreate the horrors of the mind as accurately and realistically as possible. Project Mara will be an experimental title and a showcase of what could become a new storytelling medium. So really, really interesting stuff there from Ninja Theory. Next up we've got Banjo-Kazooie and it's been 12 years since we've seen a brand new Banjo-Kazooie game. There's been plenty of re-releases and then there was appearance in the Super Smash Bros. Ultimate for Nintendo Switch and it would be great to see Microsoft embrace Banjo-Kazooie and make a new title for their upcoming flagship console. Rare has worked on this franchise in the past but personally I'd love to see another studio, perhaps Double Fine, take on Banjo-Kazooie. And it'd be really good to see Microsoft embrace the family-friendly games because a lot of what we've seen is kind of teenage or adult orientated. It'd be great to see Microsoft do a lot more in the kid-friendly space, especially with all the mascots they've got at Microsoft, like Banjo-Kazooie. Next up, we've got Perfect Dark, and this one is a bit of a long shot. So, the original Perfect Dark recently turned 20 years old with the game coming out in the year 2000, and the franchise has laid dormant for a number of years. Rare and Microsoft could have an opportunity here to bring back Joanna Dark and reboot the franchise. The Perfect Dark was a first-person shooter originally released for the Nintendo 64, had a great single-player campaign and multiplayer modes. It was the spiritual successor to the wildly popular GoldenEye 007, released in 1997, which was arguably one of the best first-person shooters of the 90s. 
Next up, we've got Everwild, and this is another one from Rare. So this is a brand new IP from Rare, which was first shown at the XO19 event in London last year. This is a beautiful looking game showcasing nature with huge open spaces, gorgeous landscapes and wild animals. So Craig Duncan spoke after the reveal XO19 and said, While Everwild is still in early development, we're really excited about the unique potential of the game we are creating. The Everwild team is focused on building an experience that allows for new ways to play in a natural and magical world. The development team, led by executive producer Louise O'Connor, is creating something truly original and incredibly special that aims to be more than just a new IP. Everwild will offer memorable, engaging and meaningful experiences for players everywhere to share. We cannot wait to share more with you in the future. And last but not least, we've got Fable, and this one's coming from Playground Games. So there's been some leaks related to Fable 4, telling us that the game is likely to be set across multiple planets, and could even include time travel. According to the E3 2019 leak, Albion has been destroyed by an asteroid that got wished into existence by a mad king who's taken control of the tattered spire from Fable 2. Now, it's down to us to use time travel and save the system. Teresa and the guild are hiding on another planet that you can access via a demon door, but potentially you can ignore the main quest and never become the hero. Players can build their own town in this massive open world, plus there's a huge and in-depth character creation mode too. Back in January 2020, Eurogamer got a massive scoop to reveal that Fable 4 existed, but it's not going to be made by Lionhead, the original creators, and it's been passed to another UK developer, Playground Games, creators of the Forza Horizon series. Let me know down in the comments, or send me an email what games you think are going to be coming to the Xbox Series X. Well next up, I was lucky enough to speak to Ivy Dupler, voiceover artist and star of Whisper of a Machine amongst other games, so let's go over to that interview now. Welcome back to This Week in Video Games, and I'm here with Ivy Dupler, voice actor and star of such games as Whispers of a Machine, Lamplight City, and Unavowed. So welcome, Ivy. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> no problem. Really, really excited to, to talk to you. And how's, uh, how's New York this afternoon? Uh, I wouldn't know, because I haven't been outside yet <laughs> today. <laughs> sort of still staying indoors all the time, but it looks nice out. Um, I don't think it's quite as hot as yesterday but uh <laughs> and uh, i guess that's been the story over the last kind of couple of months I, i've been the same i kind of peer out the window and say oh that, that looks quite nice but um yes. <laughs> i don't i don't quite fancy that yet <laughs> <laughs> pretty much pretty much yeah how's it been going over the last few months um, for you um pretty well i guess all things considered as well as it can be going um you know, I, I already had a uh, a home studio set up, but then during um, all the quarantine stuff, I've now moved in with my boyfriend. So it's like, okay, we have to like redo the whole studio thing. And I'm happy because it's like better than ever because I converted a full closet into an audio booth, which is where I'm speaking from right now, uh, like lined with foam and new equipment and headphones and mic stands and all that stuff. So in a weird way, it's like, oh, this is actually better than before. But um, <laughs> so that's good, at least, um, you know. And so what uh, what kind of equipment goes into making a, a, a home studio? Um, well, basically, I've got my microphone, I have a pop filter, I've got a mic stand, uh, interface slash preamp, uh, lots of foam, um, you know, monitoring headphones, all all of that stuff. It's just a lot of 
a lot of equipment and also a lot of trial and error as far as like how to place that foam. You know what I mean? Like there's a million different resources and guides, but it all comes down to the specific space that you're working with and everybody's booth is different, really. I found, okay, so I, I, I did a bit of uh, Twitch streaming and I found audio was one of the most um, uh, interesting areas of kind of streaming. And I imagine when you're setting up a booth and, and doing, doing your, your voice acting, it must be, that must be uh, quite a tricky one to, uh, uh, a tricky nut to crack. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, before this, in the, in the very beginning times of, of quarantine, when I wasn't sure how long I'd be staying here and all this stuff, and I was kind of like, you know, didn't, didn't bring over all of my uh, foam and stuff yet, uh, the way that I was recording in here, thankfully not for super long, but um, every time I had an audition or a, a booking or something like that, I would have to drag the cushions off the couch and stack them up in the closet and then to like muffle the sound and then record. And then when I was done, like take them out of the couch and stuff like that. But sometimes I'd be lazy or sometimes I'd have a lot of work or a lot of auditions. So I just leave the cushions in there for like days, if not like full weeks at a time. And I felt really bad because it's like, oh, we can choose. Do we want to be comfortable or do we want to be working? Like <laughs> every time I'd have to like bring them in and out. It was a mess. So I'm glad to have more of a, a permanent situation here now. <laughs> and uh, so I, I recently put a call out on Twitter about um, a, a point and click adventure games that I should check out in 2020. And loads of people got in contact with me and said I should check out Whispers of a Machine. And uh, you're obviously very familiar uh, with that game. <laughs> I, I was wondering. A little. Oh, <laughs> I've heard of it. Yeah. I was wondering if you could tell us a bit more about Whispers of a Machine and your and your role in the game. Uh, sure. Um, so in that game, I voice Vera England, who is the protagonist and player character um, in the game. And she is a special agent, uh, sort of, I guess we'll call it like far future Sweden, I suppose. Um, it's like a, a Nordic noir. So, um, yeah, it's um, it takes place in the far future where uh, AI has now been... Uh, banned and like outlawed essentially there's this big event called the collapse and basically AI kind of like got out of control and humanity managed to get it under control again but decided like we are done with like smart technology basically like that stuff's illegal no you know what I mean like like I feel like rotary phones that's where <laughs> maybe we should draw the line there like you know it's kind of like there's tech in it but it's not you know you can't have that kind of thing and uh um Vera, basically, as this um, special agent uh, homicide detective, she gets called to this small village where there have been a couple of murders, which is, like, really not common in that area, and quickly realizes this might be related to this sort of, um, what would you call it? Not exactly a cult, but kind of, like, this group of people who want to bring AI back for questionable reasons. Um, and you have these, like, cool abilities, um, and stuff like that and your personality also influences what abilities you get in the game so you can like play it different ways there's different endings um if you choose to be nice to people you know you get like empathetic powers if you're more assertive you get like really like as aggressive kind of powers and stuff like that um and it's it was uh, a very neat um role to take on just because i had never done something like that before where you are playing the same character but have such a wide spectrum of personality and different responses to stuff in the game 
and to voice it in a way that made it plausible for someone, you know, because you can like mix up your choices, not like you're locked in, at least for most of the game, you're not like locked in on a certain path. Um, it was kind of interesting to be able to show that range of emotion in a way that made it seem, you know, like like this is a different kind of character, but at the same time, oh, plausibly, this is all the same character. You know what I mean? Um, so that was kind of like an, an interesting uh, challenge to take on and stuff like that. And I also love the fact that, you know, Vera's got like her own backstory and own um, personal issues, shall we say, to without spoilers, uh, to sort through that kind of come up again and again. It was interesting to make that part of her, um, you know, this like vulnerable side of her when she's such like a tough kind of detective um even when you're playing her empathetically like she's she's always in in control really so it was a very um fun role i guess to take on and interesting just because i found her so complex and as a voice actor do you come across these roles where you get to kind of display your emotional range or was this quite a unique opportunity um, it really depends on the game, especially the genre of the game, um, as well as just the the writing and the, the role itself. Um, so I find like for a lot of um, NPC type roles, you know, like depending on the game and stuff like that, they might be not that they're not well developed, but you don't really get to see that other side of them. You know what I mean? Like if they just have like one purpose, one function in in the world relating to the player character, it's like, all right, a little one-dimensional there but um i'm fortunate enough in that most of the games i do voiceover for specifically narrative adventure type games um you know they really what sets them apart i think is like a genre is that these characters tend to be so well developed and so complex even for small ones and there's always ways to put like little you know hints of personality and make it your own bring life to it other than just like oh reading you know stuff off the page it's like even if it's just like a, a shopkeeper role or whatever with like five lines I don't know give them a, a quirk or something or just kind of try different ways to say the lines and the developer might find it cool and then players might find that memorable kind of especially if it's such a small part you know what I mean <laughs> so the quality of the writing in whispers of a machine really struck me it's really in depth there's loads of there's loads of backstory and detail I was wondering does this make your job easier as a voiceover artist uh, it's interesting because, um, you know, I received the script, I guess, a couple of days before recording, and it was a really long script. So, and that's like standard for most, um, when you're, if, if anything, what's standard for most of the time when you're recording is you kind of get it like that day, and you're lucky to know like what the game is and what the character is. That's like a very, um, unfortunately kind of standard thing. Uh, so what made that interesting, you know, and because um, Dave Gilbert was directing me live in studios we're going together uh doing it together um you know uh i guess because it was so complex it gives you a lot to work with um but in a lot of ways because uh you know when i was recording it's not like the lines were labeled like this is an empathetic line this is an assertive line like no you just have to rely on you know acting instincts and <laughs> context clues to kind of figure out which is which and it's funny because there were certain instances in the game. Um, I'm trying to remember which one exactly. I think it's if you've uh, I, I know you've played it, but like if anyone listening, if you've if you've played it, I think it's toward the beginning when Vera's talking to um, like an electrical worker, and you're wondering, oh, can I like go into the museum? And she's like, oh, I'm it's the power's down, I'm fixing it or whatever. Um, 
she's like, unless you want to get electrocuted. And you have different responses where, as it was written on the page, it was like, electrocution, that's funny. So when can you have this fixed? And the other one was um, a line that was like, uh, oh, will there be like intense burnings as well? Like, I prefer my electrocutions with that or something like that. And when I read it on the page, and then the third one was like a very straightforward answer. And that to me, I'm like, oh, that's probably the logical answer. Just like, you know. Because it was something like, what caused this? A fallen power line? It was like very to the point. I'm like, okay, okay. I can figure that one out. But between the other two, um, I read the, like in my head, I was like, oh, the one that's like electrocution, that's funny. When will you have this fixed? I was like, oh, that's got to be the sarcastic kind of assertive line. So I read it like, electrocution, that's funny. So when can you have this fixed? Just like, like over it. And for the other one that's like, oh, will there be intense burnings as well? I was like, oh, we're being kind of jokey. And it's funny because they like, those are the takes they they uh, took with it. But um, the developers told me like much later, they're like, oh yeah, as that was written, um, that first one was meant to be like Vera's just being jokey with the electrical worker. Like, oh, that's so funny. All right, well, one will be fixed. Like just being really kind. I was like, oh, I <laughs> like that to me, I thought was like such sarcasm. And it was cool though, because, you know, I did different takes on it, but um, I guess when you when you have a script that is, you know, they give a lot of context, but it's also like fun to play with. Um, I think it's neat because you could tr kind of try things your own way. And then even if it wasn't intended that way, sometimes that's how it, it ends up, if that makes sense. <laughs> and you mentioned there working with Dave in the studio. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about the process that you go into for creating a voice for one of your characters. Um, well, I guess especially um, during the audition process, what I had to go off of when aud auditioning was a picture of Vera, um, you know, her age approximately, her background, and then like nine lines or something, which is like a fair amount of lines um, for an audition for something like this. And I see why now, because, you know, um, in the audition, that did have direction, like empathetically, assertively, like that kind of stuff, because they wanted somebody who could have that range I guess and also stay sort of on model vocally with the character so just sort of looking at her seeing her background knowing that it's kind of a cyber punky type game um you know I was like this is somebody who although she's young she already reached the rank of like special agent so to me it's like she's very focused I don't see her as having a particularly like high-pitched kind of or cutesy voice it's like no this is somebody who wants to be taken like seriously who speaks like you know clearly directly that kind of thing mm -hmm. and as i'm looking more in the specs it's like well that doesn't mean that she's just going to be like you know straightforward all the time it's like she can still have emotion in her voice and you know speak empathetically even though you know it's the same person and when she means business it's still the same person like that kind of thing And i'm just like just you know She's a human, basically, you know what I mean? Just kind of looking at it less like, let's do a voice and more like, I am this person. Let me just, you know, act how I would say that. And the voice itself, I guess, kind of is secondary to all that, what she ends up like actually sounding like, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, and I guess when I got the the script and stuff like that, because, you know, I'm doing it uh, with Dave, you can kind of walk me through like what's happening in the game. And I did get to play... Uh, a fair chunk of the game before I record, which is super rare. I don't think I've ever been able to do that before. <laughs> so that was cool um, in like a uh, beta version, um, you know, so it was like also good for me to have like that, that helped as well, at least in some parts where it's like, oh, I have that extra context of like, I know what's happening here, that kind of thing. Um, 
but yeah, and especially for for that game in particular, that took like eighteen hours over the course of three days to record mm-hmm. everything. Um, you know, so as I'm doing these in kind of like two hour chunks at a time, uh, with like breaks in between and, and stuff like that, you sort of get into the the flow of it also, and it becomes more like okay, I'm I am this person, I'm like inhabiting this role, and I'm just sort of reacting to stuff. You know what I mean? It almost felt like more natural not having like memorized the entire like 127 page script or whatever <laughs> or something yeah. like that you know it's like it's more natural especially for the dialogue parts when recording that it's it's really interesting that you say that you, you don't often get the kind of context of because uh, 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 as an actor the mm-hmm. set around you must be so important to give you that context for the role and uh, here you mentioned playing kind of an early beta version giving you that extra context it must be a challenge uh, to to generate that emotion um, when when you don't get that context uh, it, it definitely can be to the point that sometimes with certain projects especially from recording like completely remotely like you know no director no nothing that kind of thing I'll have questions, but uh, a lot of directors really, um, and developers kind of the the same thing really in this context, um, you know, are really good about providing that context. Some, you know, sometimes they even provide the lines for the, if I'm, if it's a dialogue, they'll provide the other lines. Not always though, if anything, not often, but sometimes, but that's just one of those things. And it also comes, um, personally from having played so many, uh, adventure games and narrative games in particular that, you know, you kind of have a feel for how people talk in these games and how conversations go in these games. You know what I mean? And like what's mm. being asked here and what you can you can kind of guess what their response is, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's kind of just comes with, I guess, some practice and experience and, you know, just being a fan of these kinds of things to begin with definitely helps me get more familiar with, uh, you know, the quirks of the genre in general, I guess. And one one of the things that really stood out for me in Whispers of a Machine was was the augments in the game. I thought that was a really mm-hmm. really nice mm-hmm. touch. Where um, especially um, I think earlier on in the game, you're kind of um, when you're investigating your first murder, and uh, you you kind of scan scan the blood, and then you're looking around for fingerprints. I thought it was really really clever, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's a really nice mechanic that I've that I've not seen in a kind of point-and-click adventure game before, so I really, really enjoyed that. Um, oh, it's, it's an absolutely fantastic game, and um, it's, uh, it, it's so nice to hear you say um, or to, to uh, mimic some of the lines in, in the <laughs> game there because I've been playing through it, and uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. It's like, <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm talking to Vera herself. So, uh, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, how can people find out more about the game if they want to um, get hold of it? Oh, um, it's on it's on Steam and GOG, I believe, and it's also out for um, iOS and Android too, which is cool. Actually, I was playing because uh, you know, like I wanted. Of course, I'm going to play it, and of course, because there's three personality paths, I have to play it at least three times now. <laughs> I was like, I want to do that. the The first playthrough I did, um, I did it for the first time on my uh, Twitch channel, and then I played it. A second time on, uh, I guess on on PC as well or Mac or whatever. Um, just on my own time, and then the third time I played it, I made sure to play it on mobile while I was in the before times commuting on the subway and stuff <laughs> like that, which was cool and it was like kind of fun to see um, 
you know, the difference. I mean, there's like no real difference, but just like UI differences. I don't know. That's cool to me um, <laughs> between the, the different ports. But yeah. <laughs> how, how is it playing through a game that you're that you're also in? <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. <laughs> um, honestly, part of the reason why I wanted to play played for the first time on stream uh, was mostly so I would stop myself from nitpicking and, you know, or possibly being like, like, you know, self, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I don't know. Just like kind of berating myself like, oh, I should have done the line better. Oh, I don't like that take. Like to prevent that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was good because once I started playing it, I was like, oh, this is just fun. This is just cool. And it was also fun because, um, you know, I, I've had the, the rare pleasure of being friends, like, in the real world with a fair amount of people in that game as well. So it's also cool, like, to hear their performance. And it's like, oh, yeah, my friend, like, oh, I want to hear how he came out. and that, You know what I mean? Like, it was cool just from that perspective. And, like, honestly, all that stuff outweighed any of the, you know, standard, like, self-criticism of, like, micromanagey kind of, you know, not micromanagey, yeah, nitpicky is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and it just became kind of cool. Um and now I guess that at this point it's funny because I don't know why it is, but for certain lines in particular, if I hear clips of it or if I replay it again or whatever, with certain lines, I can like extremely recall like saying them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like and other things, it's like, I don't even remember saying that. Like, I don't even remember recording that, <laughs> that kind of thing. Like, like to the point that sometimes I'll even be like, oh, I wonder what happens. I want if can I ask him about this? Oh, I can. Like, I, I forgot that thing, that kind of thing. So that was also funny, too, um, is that they gave me, uh, when I was done, the developers gave me, like, a walkthrough, you know, because they're like, oh, if you're going to play it, kind of just to make sure I could, like, get through it and, like, <laughs> hear the whole thing, they're like, here's a walkthrough. I was like, oh, no, I don't I don't want that. I'm going to figure it oh, out yeah, myself. No. Like, yeah. yeah, you know, and it, that's honestly, that was, like, the funniest thing, too, is because I am such a fan of this stuff. It's like, oh, spoilers, I guess, because <laughs> spoilers for the whole game yeah, when yeah. I recorded it. But that being said, it was like, I, I swear, people probably thought I was, like, faking this when I played on stream. This was me failing at puzzles I recorded the <laughs> solutions for. Like months prior, I'm like, I don't, I still don't know how to like do the electric puzzle in the tunnel. No, no, screw that. I don't know how to do that. Like, <laughs> I like that kind of thing. I'm not good at this stuff. So, um, that was also funny too, because in the game, if you mess up, especially not like mess up, mess up, but like if you, uh, if you try to combo items that don't work together out of desperation, you know, like use bottle of resin with lock. I don't know. Like if you're like really stuck and you start doing things like that um vera will literally say stuff like um that doesn't seem very productive to me and it was just <laughs> hilarious because i'm like i'm just berating myself i'm like can i just shut up from like jesus <laughs> my god ivy of like months ago just knows everything doesn't she oh that doesn't seem very productive to you oh okay thanks really helpful like so you that's must, you must that's have fun. A, a lot of fun with that on stream yeah <laughs> That's so good. That was uh, that was something. Yeah, there that line, and also um, I don't know if you actually. I think you mentioned before you played unavowed. Um, I voiced a bunch of people in unavowed, including uh, who I will call the meme character, um, yeah. Captain Joy Harrison, and that's the one with the it's a tragedy. That one is me, and oh, that yeah. one. <laughs> that's funny, just because everybody who like streams unavowed, um, half the time they title their stream like it's a tragedy or whatever. I'm like, <laughs> so um. I very much have that as like a sound clip on my Twitch to play. I'm just like, that was a tragedy, wasn't it? <laughs> like so any, <laughs> if I mess up, it's like, yep, yeah, it was. 
<laughs> oh, I love it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to need you to record me some sound clips. These are, <laughs> these are absolutely wonderful. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, so you've you've um, played um, uh, Juliet in Lamplight City, uh, Joy mm-hmm. Harrison in Unavowed. All you know, so, some of the best um, adventure games that have come out in the last couple of years. Um, what what kind of draws you to this uh, genre? Uh, honestly, it was like these kinds of games were sort of my first um, real taste of gaming outside of, um, you know, like Barbie games and games for which like, honestly, I won't knock the Barbie games too much because that's what allowed me to realize, oh, I can play games too. So I won't won't knock them too hard. But um, the first like quote, like real games I played when I was like eight or nine or so um, were the Nancy Drew computer games. And I'm like still obsessed with them. I play them on stream a lot, too. Like they have such a special place um, in my heart and childhood. Because, you know, that that was the genre that got me into gaming. And also, those are the games that made me want to pursue voice acting as a career from a really young age, where, um, you know, I would literally, when playing the game, because uh, all the, you know, all the dialogues on the screen as well, I would mute the sound and read the lines out loud and try to, like, time myself to see if I can get the timing right when they were saying their lines. Like, this is what I did for fun at, like, nine. So um, that was, like, a cool thing. And I just kind of grew up uh, with those games. I love the puzzles. I love the plot, the narrative, that kind of stuff, figuring things out. Like, I've always been obsessed with those kinds of games. Um, So... You know, I continued to play them, and I played, uh, like, Telltale games, and I got into Wajedai games and Grandislav, and it was actually really funny. Uh, with Lamplight in particular, I was following Francisco on Twitter um, and literally sending uh, tweets to my friend, who was the one who got me into his games, about updates. Like, oh, did you hear he announced this new game, Lamplight City? Oh, this looks like our thing. We have to play this. Oh, my God. And then I auditioned for it, and then I booked it. And I remember, I it was funny. I think Francisco actually followed me back on Twitter, and then like a half hour later, I found out I booked it. And nice. I was like, okay, I thought me because because I stopped following me, <laughs> and it was just so like surreal because it's like I had been following this as like a fan, and now I'm in it. Okay, cool. Um, so that was really fun. Uh, and with Whispers in particular, that was like such a crazy milestone and accomplishment because my specific dream had always been to like be a detective like voice a detective because just like nancy drew and i'd like to think that vera and nancy would be friends i'd like to think this so <laughs> so that was really cool um just because yeah those were the games that i i played as a kid and what you know showed me i can do this too both as a gamer and as a uh, actor so that was cool yeah <laughs> that's awesome and if if you could um if you could sort of pick any video game character to do a voiceover for, um, who who would that be? Oh boy, um, I have an an answer for this, but it might be really stupid. Um, <laughs> no stupid but, answers. Well, this is like the like this sounds lame, but this is like the truth. Um, so I've been playing a lot of or replaying, I guess, a lot of uh, Bioshock and stuff lately, and I Bioshock's my favorite game of all time. And if I could like voice anything it would be some like incidental character in a collection of like three different audio logs in the first one that tells like a mini arc over the course of like three optional audio logs that you can find throughout like for the for the true lore hunters like (laughs) like the audio logs that you have to like use a plasmid to like melt the ice to get to it or like you know what i mean or like grab it with telekinesis on like a weird balcony edge like the 
the ones that people need, like YouTube Achievement Hunter guides to like try to get the the, the diaries. <laughs> I would want to be in those and telling some like fascinating, gripping story in like a three part saga that makes like the true fans be like, I want a spin off game of that and that woman's journey. I want that. So <laughs> that would be like the coolest thing, just like that that sort of thing. And I'm obsessed with Bioshock, so <laughs> that is re- that is my answer. <laughs> Did it recently get a? Was it re-released on Nintendo Switch? For it collection? was, yeah, yeah. That was, yeah. That, <laughs> that's that's really good. Um, well, how did how did you originally kind of get into um, voice acting in the first place? Um. Well, you know, it was something I'd wanted to do for a really long time, and then um, I guess was, this was like 2015, I suppose. Yeah, sometime in 2015. Um, it's funny, I had not really told anyone I wanted to do this, and I was just, because, you know, I, I have a whole other career as well. I'm a copywriter, and I worked uh, in editorial for a while. I wrote for Epicurious at Connie Nast and Lucky Magazine and stuff like that, so I have, like, many things going on. And I was, like, um, very, very entrenched in that world at the time and just, you know, not super happy and kind of just, like, thinking about what I really want to do with my life. And I told my friend that, and I was like, do you know what I really want to do? It's, like, voice acting for video games. And he was like, oh, well, I think that's great. You should try that. I'm like, I don't even know how. I don't know what to do. And then, like, a week later, I want to say, um, he sent me on Twitter that uh, Wajidai Games was having, like, an open call. You just have to be local to, like, you know, New York City, Brooklyn, whatever, um, you know, just audition for the thing. And it turned out to be, God, what was it for? Was it? It was Shardlight. That's what it was. It was an open call for uh, Shardlight. And I auditioned. I did not book it because this is not, you know, a fantasy story. It's the real world. Mm. I auditioned for it, though, and I used, like, the microphone built into my MacBook. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. I had zero training, zero anything, you know. But it was so much fun just to try it. And I'm like, that was cool. I should do this for real. Um, And I ended up, you know, looking up and seeing that like you could take classes in this and like found a voiceover coach and started taking more classes and more like you know took improv stuff and just trained more and practiced more and kept at it and kept at it um and then the full circle moment number one happened um when I actually which order was it I guess Lamplight happened first I think that was like wow now I've done it I've booked with uh Grenislav Games and then number two with uh unavowed it's like wow and now I'm booked with watch it again and it was just such a cool and then like you know such a cool moment because it's like I had and I also auditioned for uh Kathy Rain shortly after that which was uh Cliff Cup Games uh first game mm. and again did not book that didn't book anything in that and it's funny because I don't I feel like I might have asked them I'm like did you know I auditioned? like they didn't remember they're like oh I gotta try to find your audition it's probably still in the files I'm like please don't <laughs> it's gonna be really bad <laughs> you won't think of me the same way it's gonna be bad um, but it was just these really cool, like full circle moments that show like, you know, there's no such thing as like instant gratification with this stuff. It's like yeah. something I really wanted to do, tried it, would have been very easy to be like, well, that didn't work. I uh, guess I'm bad at this and like give up then. But it's like, no, now we just have to try and wait. <laughs> and years later, like it paid off. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was just as, as simple, honestly, as looking up, um, you know, classes and coaching, and especially if you live in uh, a big city, you know, there there be 
there's bound to be more opportunity for that. But especially right now, basically mm. everybody has taken their operations online. Like I'm starting up because, you know, you're you should always keep um, training, taking classes, staying sharp. Um, I just enrolled in another uh, six week voiceover class, you know, more more commercial type stuff um, from a place I've worked with before. And they're now doing online classes like virtual through Zoom. It's like, OK, great, let's do it. Um, you know, so they're definitely uh, even if you're not near like a big city, there's definitely um, you know, resources and stuff online. It's just all about like doing your research, finding credible people, taking improv classes and just constantly practicing and getting kind of entrenched in the community. And, you know, with that training and that sort of thing, you will kind of discover where to find the opportunities and stuff like that. Mm. It feels like we've had uh, a kind of five month crash course in <laughs> remote working uh, globally, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I, I know there's you know, there's um, so, um, you know some serious uh, negatives and, and downsides to what's happened, but also I think this kind of um, this injection of technology into the workplace and the environment, and like you say, it, as well as um, it kind of opens up opportunities for those who maybe um, might not live near a big city and might not feel like they've got those opportunities maybe now in this more remote kind of uh, almost emerging remote culture maybe there's maybe there's more opportunities out there uh, than people than people sort of first might think oh absolutely especially um with more indie type projects and voiceover and even now because you know just due to necessity everybody um, is doing stuff remotely. Um, you know, I, when I audition for stuff, um, including, and especially, um, you know, like really big commercial projects and things like that, they say like, you have to have a broad broadcast quality home studio. There's Mm. programs like source connect, which is like a thing that connects you to a studio. It's like a software kind of thing. Um, different stuff like that. So it's like, you can be located anywhere in the world now. Like, you know, it kind of always was that, but now literally there is no other option, really. So, um, you know, and especially for um, indie games and things like that, most of the things I record, most projects I do from home. And a lot of them I do completely remotely, as in like, you know, written direction going off that. And it's just like me in my closet and doesn't matter where I am, I will do it. And being able to work with people from around the country, if not around the world, that kind of thing. Um, you know, that that's always been a thing, especially with indie games. But now... The rest of the world just kind of caught up to it, I guess. And now everything really is um, is remote. So those opportunities definitely are everywhere for everyone. And if 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 there's someone out there sort of came up to you and said, you know, I'm really interested in kind of getting into um, voice acting. How would I go about it? What what advice would you would you give them? Um, honestly, just again, like look into classes and things like that. Start you know, start with training. Don't be in such a rush to invest in like a really expensive microphone or like, you know, make demo reels right away. It's like just it's going to take time. It's going to take time and money and effort. Um, So just be prepared that there it's not like if you're looking to do this on a professional level, it's definitely not, uh, again, that like instant gratification kind of thing. Um, It's going to take a lot of work and you're going to feel like it's impossible but it's not. And you have to you have to hang in there and just, you know, recognize and understand that like what you need to focus on is training, following, you know, like following those opportunities that. I don't know, I guess like training with with, um, you know, accredited people, classes, that sort of thing, focusing on your acting techniques, 
that kind of thing. It just um, and also just being kind to yourself throughout the process because you know it is full of rejection all the time mm. at every level. It never stops. Like you know that's acting, but like that's it's true. You know and just um, I guess be be prepared that it is very much um, a long journey to get there in the end. That there is no end really. You're always learning and always trying, but um, you know just just I guess to understand that. It is very much not, well, I'll just buy a microphone and now I can do this. It's like, no, <laughs> just, you know, rec recognize, I guess, that um, it's something you'll have to invest in both, you know, emotionally, monetarily, that kind of thing to mm. sort of, you know, seek out that training. But it's it's worth it in the end. It really is. It's it, it's amazing your your story there, um, going from um, playing a video game or playing Nancy Drew with the sound <laughs> turned down, reading those lines to a, to a fan of uh, Grindelwald games, and then landing those roles uh, <laughs> and, and taking that sort of risk in a in a, a career path that you that you love. It's it's a really great story. Um, well, with all with all the kind of um, starring in video games that you do, um, do you get time to sort of play games in your in your spare time? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I've really been enjoying streaming on Twitch a lot lately, which has been fun. Um, been playing all the Bioshock games. I do also a lot of uh, point and click games on there as well. Sometimes I've played stuff that I'm I'm in. <laughs> I'm actually probably going to do like a retrospective soon or whatever, and um play uh lamplight and unavowed soon oh i'm so um, excited i expect, yeah. <laughs> expect me to be in in your chat for that oh awesome <laughs> <laughs> thank you uh that'll be fun because i i've i of course have played them before but um i've never played them on stream and it's it's been a bit since i last played them so that, that'll be fun to do um and also my my guiltiest of pleasures to me this is a guilty pleasure is Overwatch like I <laughs> I play Overwatch like every other day practically so um that's what I uh spend most of my time playing lately to be honest <laughs> game wise is just a lot of like Overwatch and it's fun <laughs> do, do you have a particular um do you play competitively do, do you Oh have, like... I do yeah Oh <laughs> What we would you be willing to share your uh, my your ranks? ranks? Yeah. Oh boy! As of have... this moment, <laughs> as of this moment, I swear, uh, I have been like one win away from plat for the past like three days. I'm so annoyed. Like I keep getting, I'm at like what like twenty four eighty nine or something is like my yeah. SR for support. It's so frustrating. And then I'll like lose a game and then <laughs> win two more. <laughs> and then like lose another two and then win like four. Like it just it it's it's always like ten SR out of grasp. I hate it's it. So <laughs> God. But yeah, that's my my highest rank. All my I think DPS and um tank are like mid gold, like twenty two, twenty three something, which is not bad. That's I awesome. I was triple digit bronze at one point, so you could you could do it. You could get yeah. out of there. <laughs> um, what's, what's your thoughts on Overwatch two coming coming soon? Oh, I'm interested. I'm intrigued just because it's like it's Overwatch with a plot. And I'm like, yeah. tell me more because I <laughs> I love lore. This is great. Um, I feel like because um, sometimes I feel like piecing together Overwatch lore. It's like it's like basically playing Oberdin. <laughs> it's like trying to remember who connects with who and how and when did this piece happen? But when did that happen? And how did this one die? And how did this one turn evil and this one turn good? Like, I can't keep track. So... <laughs> It'll be kind of interesting to have sort of like a more um, 
you know, concrete story there. I don't know how I feel about the gameplay yet, just because um, all the, was it, PvE modes on uh, Overwatch itself, those, like, special anniversary, or not anniversary, the special yeah. event uh, modes, not my favorite. I, like, almost never play them unless I have to for some, like, cool skin reward. So I don't know yet, but um, I'm at least, like, intrigued that they're going to try to give it... Um, a plot though i wish it was called not like overwatch 2 i still yeah. feel like that's like a meme or a joke like when i found out it was announced i'm like that's a joke title right it's not literally called overwatch 2 right but no it it's, is <laughs> yeah it's, it's kind of weird with kind of um i, I guess live service games and mm-hmm. how they approach seek i'm a massive destiny fan and oh, cool. um, destiny uh, player and when when destiny 2 came out it um it didn't do it was it wasn't very good <laughs> and uh, things sort of get out of sync but as i understand it with overwatch 2 they're sort of taking a bit of a hybrid model i think they're they're going to give some of the features back into the original overwatch to sort of help that migration of the audience because the problem mm. with with sequels in live service environments is you, you sort of tend to split the or, or there's a risk right that the, right the right kind of fragments and um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they how they approach that. Um, yeah. What uh, um, going back? What kind of um, was it, Nancy Drew, that got you into video games in the first place? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, growing up, I I did not have a lot of like video games in terms of console stuff. I got like the OG Xbox when I was thirteen as like a Hanukkah gift or something. And between me and my sister, we had like five games for it and one of them like came with the thing like I had a bunch of I had like a couple Harry Potter games I had um series of unfortunate events the video game um (laughs) nice (laughs) yeah I had like some tennis game that I think came with it and like DDR that was my sister's and that was kind of like it like we, we did not have um a lot of games and I it was actually really funny I found like it's like totally off topic if there was a topic but like years later when I was in college I was home from school and like helping my mom clean out the attic and I found a copy of like Grand Theft Auto 3 and like still in the plastic in her attic I'm like for Xbox I'm like what is this she's like still in the plastic yeah she like didn't and that like Miami Vice is another one right like they, they both were like still in the plastic wrap I'm like, what is this from? She's like, oh, your uncle bought you those, but I thought they were too mature for you and your sister. I, I like hit them. I didn't. I didn't want you to know. I'm like, are you kidding me? So, yeah. So, so yeah, I didn't have a lot of games. I didn't have a Nintendo. I didn't grow up. It's like funny. I didn't grow up with Zelda. I didn't grow up with Mario. I didn't grow up with any of that. And like, I only play. I played Zelda for the first time, uh, like my senior year of college, like for mm-hmm. a second. So all that was really foreign to me. Um, but I had my Nancy Drew games, like I had my little PC games and stuff. So like that was that was gaming. That's it. Like um, it was just funny. Like um, I played like one of the first like real video games. Um, I get when I say real, I mean like triple A. Like that's mm. a game everyone's played. The first one I played, I think really was Bioshock Infinite. Like when it came out, I never played it. Like and I was like, this is incredible. So like maybe want to play the first one and like more stuff and then kind of got more back you know and even still like overwatch really is like one of the the few like triple a games i like truly play often like the batman series the new mm. tomb raider series like a that's it really <laughs> like I, I still really favor a lot of um indie stuff and things like that and i really like um 
single player narrative things. It's been it's been fun though, definitely streaming stuff like Bioshock and other um and and like more because I consider Bioshock a narrative game. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, especially Infinite combat just distracts but that's that's for another podcast i suppose <laughs> my, my thoughts on that but um <laughs> but yeah like uh it's it's been fun though kind of playing these single player story driven type games and stuff especially on on stream and having people like you know uh comment on them and sort of like make choices together and do things together yeah. it's like oh it has this cool element to games that are traditionally always for me been like very single player like just sort of <laughs> Me playing alone with no one to talk to about it. That's it. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's been fun to kind of like bring a new perspective to that. It's been a, it's been a really big year. I mean, 2020 um, sucks officially, <laughs> um, but it's been a big it's been a really big year for kind of single player, um, kind of um, AAA, especially the last couple of months at Last of Us Part Two, and mm-hmm. uh, I think today uh, Ghost of uh, Tsushima released as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, are there um, are there any other sort of titles that are coming up for you in 2020, be it kind of AAA or indie that you're really looking forward to? Um, and Ooblets just came out. I really want to play Ooblets. That, that came out um, like two days ago or something. Yeah. And I'm excited. I had signed up for like the dev newsletter on that. And I'm like, oh my God, it's here. So <laughs> tell, t- tell me about Ooblets. I, I don't know too much about that one. Oh, it looks really cute. It's like, it's kind of like, I guess sort of if you are into like animal crossing vibes but like pokemon kind of stuff with like collecting cute little friend creatures and like kind of you know what i mean like i can't describe it it's just it's adorable i think it's yeah it's just like collecting cute little creatures and hanging out with them and stuff and i'm like i'm there i'm there that's my favorite genre actually (laughs) favorite genre is twee but yeah i'm I'm excited (laughs) so that looks cute uh, and we're on the cusp of kind of new consoles, uh, potentially with kind of the new Xbox and PlayStation. Is that something that you're you're interested in, or? Um... Um, I don't know. I mean, like we have a Switch, so I've been playing Animal Crossing on that and Ring Fit Adventure, and you know stuff that's like exclusive to that. But um, I don't know. I'm still very much a uh, PC person, um, especially now. I guess with uh, streaming and stuff like that, it's just a uh, it's easier, and I'm just better with a uh, mouse and keyboard, I think, than than console. But perhaps I don't know. I'm, I'm uh, moving to a new place next year, so maybe when I move into a new apartment, if we have like a good good setup, perhaps like a nice housewarming gift for us, we we'll, we could just get like a I guess what is it PS5 that's coming? I'm like behind. Yeah. I don't even know. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps I guess if uh, there's some some cool stuff for that. I still have a PS3 that was like a hand me down gift from somebody. It's like oh. Um, and it still works. The controllers are a bit iffy. That's the only problem with that. Like, I, I am very much fine to keep my, my save file of Uncharted on my PS3, but the, the issue is that the controllers are just a bit gummy, and it's yeah. increasingly, um, you know, more difficult to find PS3 controllers. Because, you know, I'm sure there's, like, there's, like, a valley, I'm sure, with the price in that. It's, like, you know, right now they're so hard to find, but at least when you find them, they're cheap. But we're right on the cusp of them becoming like actual vintage antiques. So like, give it another five years. It's like, wow, a PS3 controller in mint condition, five hundred dollars. It's like, oh, okay, like, <laughs> I'm sure it's it's gonna be that soon. 
Well, Ivy, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you on this week in video games today. So thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. And do you want to give a shout out for any of your social media? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, on Twitter and Instagram, although Twitter's the more uh, the the more exciting one that's more frequently updated with game stuff. Um, I am at Space Camp GF, and that is also the uh, handle I stream on on Twitch under as well. Um, Twitch.tv slash Space Camp GF. <laughs> that's awesome stuff. And thanks so much once again for coming on the show. Cool. Thank you so much for having me on. This was fun. Well, that was me there talking to Ivy Dupler, and thank you, Ivy. Really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule and talking to us on This Week in Video Games. Really, really good to talk to you. And if you haven't checked out Whispers in the Machine, maybe the next segment will whet your appetite. So let's go over to the review of Whispers of the Machine now. Whispers of a Machine is a point-and-click adventure game set in a far Nordic future, and it's your job to solve murders. AI has been banned since the collapse, and the police have a careful watch over anyone who wants to invest in this area. It's a great game, and will delight fans of the genre as well as anyone interested in the techno-noir narrative. As Vera England, a special agent of the Central Bureau, it's your job to check out the crimes in the small Nordic town of Nordsund. The inhabitants of the town remark that this kind of crime doesn't happen very often, so there's definitely something going on deeper in this investigation. The situation quickly escalates as soon as you arrive. Originally called in for a single murder, now that's expanded into three. This is a true science fiction tale, so Vera's located in the futuristic version of Sweden, but anything with a CPU or artificial intelligence has been banned. There was a mysterious event called the Collapse, and now humans remain in this rather bleak world in cramped houses in a series of grey buildings. Nordsen seems nice though, as do its inhabitants, and they're all pretty baffled as to why these series of tragedies have come to their town. The gameplay in Whispers of a Machine is great fun, where the three main character traits of Vera are the main focus. So we've got empathy, assertiveness and analytical. Each choice in a conversation is remembered and shapes the narrative in front of you. It's not entirely clear to you as the player, but different options open up to you through the choices that you make, which lends itself more to an RPG than a traditional point and click adventure game. There's some really nice mechanics in the game which I appreciated and felt like it's set apart from other point-and-click adventure games. This mainly focuses around the use of different cyber abilities and traits. So you'll start out the game with a few useful abilities like scanning, a strength boost and monitoring. Scanning comes in use almost immediately at the start of the game where you've been sent to investigate a murder. Scan the body with one of your tools and you can pick up the blood type of the victim. With this biometric data, you can now scan for objects around and understand where the victim has been, what he's touched, leading to more clues. So monitoring comes in handy and when you're having conversations with the NPCs, as you'll be doing a lot of that in Whispers of a Machine, as the world building is discovered through conversation and other characters. So turn on the monitor throughout a conversation and you'll see if they're anxious or not. And if you spot an anomaly, then you can press further for an answer. The strength mod is fairly obvious. Sometimes you just need to smash open a door or pull a wedged coin out of a slot with some extra strength and that can certainly help out with that. Vera's ability are thanks to something called Blue. This is a nanotechnology injected into subjects and a narrative reason as to why the world adapts around you. 
There's a nice scene early in the game where Vera meets the police chief and she asks Vera, do you remember what it's like to take the blue? As the police chief asks her, let this old lady live a little. As you make your choices, you'll shape Vera's personality and characters around you will react differently depending on how you treat them. There's also no manual save system in the game, so you can't go back. The best thing to do here is be yourself, choose the option that comes naturally to you, and shape Vera the way you want. The game branches out and offers a variety of paths through the main story, and if you want to go down a different path you have to start again from scratch. And this does really lend itself into getting into the role and becoming Vera. There's a notebook feature in the game too, which acts as your to-do list for an area, giving you a nice template to follow. This can get tricky sometimes, as you need to press the other characters for answers, but the notebook's utility definitely came in handy and acted as orientation for me, subtly letting me know that I still had something to do in the room that I was in. There's the classic adventure game inventory system where you'll gather items like keys and photographs and try to use them with various actions on the screen. It's a well-implemented system, although not as innovative as the mod system described before. The game's writing is in-depth and the character building is fantastic for a game of this size. It's a relatively small game, taking roughly 6-8 hours for a full playthrough, however the backstory of the characters and the world building is really, really impressive. There's a lot of Nordic history here, with the game being developed in Sweden by Clifftop Games. The game works towards multiple endings, so there's definitely some repay value here. As it's a fairly short game, this is possible, and if you're a fan of the genre, then you should definitely go back and try another style with Vera's choices and personality. So I've played the game through once, and I'm drawn to going back and playing it through to see those differences. Really, really fun game, and you should definitely check out Whispers of a Machine. Well, next up, let's have a look at the all-platform charts. So at number 10 this week, it's Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, and that's up 8 places from last week's number 18. Number 9 this week, it's Marvel's Iron Man VR, down 7 places from last week's number 2. Number 8 this week, it's Luigi's Mansion 3, up 1 place from last week's number 9. And number 7 this week, holding steady, it's Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Number 6 this week, it's Grand Theft Auto 5, down 1 place from last week's number 5. Number 5 this week, it's Minecraft, up 1 place from last week's number 6. Number 4 this week it's Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, zooming back into the top 10 after a week out at last week's number 11. Number 3 this week it's Last of Us Part 2, down 2 places from last week's number 1. Number 2 this week it's Animal Crossing New Horizons, at 1 place from last week's number 3, and Animal Crossing has been in the top 10 for a long time now since its release, doing really really well and congrats to everyone from Nintendo. At number 1 this week it's a new entry, it's F1 2020, and congrats to the team from Codemasters. Well next up, let's have a look at the games coming out in the next few weeks. So we've got loads of games coming out in the next few weeks, so let's go through the list. So we've got Into the Radius, that's coming out on Rift, Quest and Vive, that's on July the 20th. Then on the 21st we've got Rock of Ages 3, Make and Break, that's PS4, Xbox One, Switch, Stadia and PC. Then on the 22nd we've got Creeks, that's coming out on PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. Then on the 23rd, we've got quite a few games. We've got Carrion, that's coming out on Xbox One, Switch and PC. We've got Crisis Remastered, coming out on Switch. We've got Dying Light Hell Raid, that's coming out on PS4, Xbox One and PC. And finally, on the 23rd, we've got Roki, that's coming out on PC. Then on the 24th, we've got Paper Beast, that's coming out on Rift and Vive. On the 28th, we've got Ageless, that's coming out on Switch and PC. Got Destroy All Humans, that's PS4, Xbox One, Stadia and PC. We've got Grounded, coming out on Xbox One and PC. 
We've got Made of Skur, that's PS4, Xbox One and PC. And we've got Other Side, that's PS4, Xbox One and PC. And we've got Pistol Whip coming out on PSVR. Then we've got Samurai Showdown Neo Geo Collection coming out on PS4, Xbox One and Switch. And we've got Skater XL coming out on PS4, Xbox One and PC. And finally on the 28th we've got Terrarium, that's coming out on PC. On the 29th we've got Blightbound coming out on PC. Then on the 30th we've got Hellpoint, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, PC, Mac and Linux. Also on the 30th we've got Liberated coming to PC. Finally on the 30th we've got Yakuza Kiwami 2, that's coming out on Xbox One. Then on the 31st we've got a few games, we've got Castle Storm 2 coming out on PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. We've got Fairy Tale coming out on PS4, Switch and PC. And we've got Monster Crown coming out on PC too. So loads of games there, absolutely loads of stuff. And I think looking at that list for me, Carrion definitely jumps out. That one's coming out on Xbox One, Switch and PC on July the 23rd. Grounded, also really good, played that demo on uh, the Steam Summer Games Festival the other week. And Pistol Whip coming out on PSVR as well, so if you've got PSVR, definitely check out Pistol Whip. Well that's it for this week's episode, and if you want to get involved in the show, get in contact through Patreon at patreon.com forward slash thisweekinvideogames, or check out the latest on the website. Send in your questions, your comments and your video game stories, I'm always interested in hearing from you. I'm also available on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube and Instagram, so search This Week in Video Games on your favourite platform and join in that conversation. So thank you so much for listening, for more of This Week in Video Games content subscribe on YouTube and it'd be great if you could share it with a friend. To join our community check out the Discord link in the description and you can follow me on Twitter at TWIVGPodcast. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it useful, liking and sharing it would really help me out. Otherwise, check out the other podcasts in the feed. Thanks again, and I'll see you in a few days' time.